Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Connection Podcast, the place where we connect with the brightest minds in commercial real estate, uncovering their secrets, strategies, and captivating stories. I'm your host, Sammy Susan, here to serve as your guide and connector-in-chief on this exciting journey. Together, we'll dive deep into the world of commercial real estate, exploring the ins and outs of this dynamic industry. Our goal is to discover the true power of meaningful connections along the way. So get ready to plug in, engage, and elevate your commercial real estate journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Real Estate Connection Podcast. We have with us today Mr. Ola Dantes. Ola, really, really excited to have you with us today. And I'm really excited to learn more about your personal commercial real estate journey. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, Ola. So maybe you could introduce yourself where you kind of grew up, a little bit of your background, and how you got into commercial real estate. Yeah, definitely. It's, I, I shared the story the same exact way. I remember listening to podcasts myself when I was starting out and you hear this type of stories and you can never like make that connection to how they sure. got started to where they're at today. You know, some people have like $2 billion in assets and you're like, I can connect to that. So I really like to start from the, the beginning. So, you know, my wife and I moved to the US, I want to say 10 years ago now, almost 10 years ago. Um, we came from England and you know, shortly thereafter, got a day job. My wife got a, you know, got a day job. We we're kind of living the American dream. I was originally, you know, from Nigeria, West Africa. I was born in Nigeria, West Africa. You know, went to England when I was 16. So spent quite a bit of time there. Started in the, in the UK, you know, first degree and then a master's degree, you know, and then my wife kind of was telling me, Hey, you know, do you want to move to the US? Because she also, you know, she's half American, Filipino, and she also wanted to come to the US. So this was kind of when she finished her studies in the UK. And she basically was, she came to the US for a bit to, to work at Disneyland. And I remember her inviting me over for the very first time, like, hey, you know, you want to come to Orlando? Just come, you know, come and see the US. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a window seat guy. Sure. The yeah. plane. So I remember just before we touched down in Orlando and I was just seeing like, you know, just the manicured, you know, grass and the palm trees, you know, like just about to touch on in Florida. And I, I'm, I'm being very prescriptive here because I feel like a lot of us, you know, myself now included, that we live in this beautiful country. Sometimes we don't appreciate that anymore, right? Um, but I remember coming on the plane and I was like, oh my goodness, like this place is beautiful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody told me about this Orlando place, like <laughs> this Florida place. <laughs> so touchdown, of course, my wife was working in Disney at the time in kind of doing a internship. And I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, I would, yeah, I would love to move here at some point, you know, if you want us to do it. So that was kind of my first experience with the US, loved it, you know. And great I mean, intro. It's a great intro into into US as going to Disneyland. A hundred percent. Of course, when we when we finally moved to the US, we settled in Baltimore, but that's different. But I mean that that first intro for me just made me feel like, wow, this this is this is so far forward we moved, like I said, you know, three years later, moved to the United States, kind of got plugged into the system. And then the whole nine to five, go to work, come home, do it again, go to work, traffic, come home. You know, now we're in the best country on the planet, as I, I like to tell everybody that wants to listen. I'm, I mean, I've lived on three continents, you know, started businesses on two. So when I say this is the best one out of the ones that I've been on, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, of course, but meditate on that as well. What were the other, other two continents that you lived on? 
Africa. Yeah, I forgot. Europe. Yeah. I got it. I lived in the UK and I was born in Nigeria. I left Nigeria when I was 16. You know, so just kind of being in America, being in the system, it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Ironically, we were living in an apartment building. I didn't know I was going to end up buying those buildings. <laughs> Another same <laughs> one, though. It was great. Luxury apartment, didn't care about, you know, trash, taxes, termites. I just kind of lived my life, but I knew there was something missing. But I couldn't put my finger on it. Like, here I was in the best country on the planet, going to work, you know, my wife and I doing great, you know, having enough money to do whatever we want. What were, what were you doing prior? What kind of work were you doing? I was a business, I was a senior business analyst, working for a Fortune 6 company at the time. Got it. You know, IT, basically. And, you know, now I'm a full-time entrepreneur. I want to put that, I want to put that out there. But that, that, that was really helpful, actually, just kind of understand the system. Considering we just moved here, so it was sure. actually a good experience. But that something was missing. Anyway, I got a call from a friend of mine in the UK, and he said, "He said, hey, Ola, I've just started a business in the UK. I know you're great, you know, businesses, you know, building businesses and processes and structures. Could you meet me in Dubai? And you can kind of help me with my business. I've got to meet some investors there. Could you fly out from the US? I was living in Maryland at the time in, in this success timeline for folks still following. So obviously I did what every wise man does, prayed about it. And of course, asked my wife like, hey, you know, my friend told me to come to Dubai. I mean, this was ages before the pandemic, before Zoom, before, you know, all this technology. But, I, you know, I was on the plane, right? I mean, I had that void of like, is this all I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? Just traffic, work? Is, I mean, there's got to be something else, but I didn't know what that stuff was, right? So I got to Dubai. My friend was telling me not to, you know, anyone surprised listening to this. It was real estate. That's what he was doing in the UK. And that was the business. He wanted me to help him restructure, right? And kind of build his org charts, you know, things like that. So I remember being in the hotel room, nothing fancy, like the Instagram life we are showing these days. Uh, I don't even know if it's a three-star hotel or whatever, but we just kind of, you know, masterminding on my friend's business, right? I mean, then I didn't know what that term meant. Now I do. And, you know, at the end of it, kind of helped him out. And then on my way back on the plane, I just kind of had that realization like, hey, I probably could do this in the United States. I mean, you know, United States has like 300 million people. The UK is like 60 million. I was like, I probably couldn't do the same thing in the US. And, you know, Got back to the U.S. about four or five months later, bought my first building. Now, there's a big jump in there. It's actually really funny, right? I'm all over the place, but I'll connect everything. We just set up a construction company last year, November of last year. And what I'm learning as a business person and as an entrepreneur is you keep doing something, right? Consistently for a set period of time, something will come out on the other side, right? You keep throwing seeds constantly. I don't care what you do. You're a dancer, you're a musician. Yes, it doesn't matter your title company, right? You keep throwing out seeds, something is going to come on the other side. It might be an apple, it might be a hope tree, a big one, it might be, you know, tomatoes, it, it doesn't matter. But I, I understood that, right? So going back to that four-month period of having that realization on the plane back to the U.S. from Dubai to buy my first building, I just went to work, right? I, I was throwing out a lot of seeds in the form of, you know, came back, you know, went to my first best friend, pay attention, Google, right? Right. You know, like the like young people ask questions these days, like how do I get started? How do I no no no? It's like basic stuff. Like our parents did not have Google. Like let that Marilyn for like a sec. Like they did not have iMessage. They had to like literally write letters. My parents, right? Like they were born in the fifties, right? 
So the fact that you have iMessage, you have Google, and God forbid you have ChatGPT right now, right? Anyway, going back to that. So Google everything about real estate, didn't know nothing about real estate. And then I found my, my second best friend. Again, pay attention. Amazon. Again, generations past did not have a place, a central repository to gather all this knowledge, right? Sure. Went to Amazon, bought Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Think and Grow Rich, bought all these books like about real estate. Right? I didn't know anything about this, this subject matter, but I, I kind of dove into it, got books, signed up for bigger pockets, right? So did all these activities, right? And then four months later, five months later, we bought our first duplex in Baltimore, Maryland, in a class A area close to Judd Hopkins Hospital. And, you know, don't forget, these are just, you know, two kids from the UK. My wife and I, we don't know anything. Like, we know nothing. Right? <laughs> like, we don't know what we're doing. Right? But we sure. bought that, that duplex and we moved into the bottom floor, which is called house hacking. That's the new term. At the time, it was not called house hacking, believe it or not. And the time was like six, seven years ago. So not very long ago, <laughs> but now it's, it's all over the place, right? We moved down and we had these two tenants upstairs. And again, had an epiphany. My wife and I came back from work one day, you know, and we just kind of, you know, doing what couples do, right? Cooking. We were kind of talking about life and we're like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, we got our first rent check. I can never, I can never forget this day. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like these people paid us money to stay in our home. That's awesome. Yeah, like just having that epiphany. I was like, so if we do this like five more times, we probably wanted a job. Like it was that, like it was such a strong feeling. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is all we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Like right that day, we made that decision. And of course, you would assume human beings are logical, sensible, <laughs> methodical mm. in their rationale and thinking and can use agency to the best of their abilities. That's not what I did, Sammy. That's not what I did. <laughs> I would love to tell you guys that's exactly what I did. No. You know, found this brilliant strategy of house hacking. We should have just done like four or five more of, of these things like in the next, you know, use the same philosophy. Rinse and repeat. Go, go, go. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't rinse and repeat. I, I totally <laughs> went like a whole 90 degree turn. Went into flipping houses. Yeah, I, I, I met a really good friend of mine. And he's like, oh, let's go flip some houses down the street. We'll make $50,000. I was like, $50,000 sounds you know, a lot better than these rent checks that these tenants upstairs are giving us every month. So went to do that for like two years. And I'll tell folks, the shiny object syndrome, you really need to be aware of it. You need to be acutely aware of your temperament as a person, as a human being. I mean, these are conversations I don't I, I rarely hear about in, in, in the world of business and even in real estate investing. You need to know who you are, right? What does that mean? Like I was doing great. I was able to inform and buy a building, renovate it, move into it, started getting cash flow essentially. And I was like, I should do more of this. But then I didn't. And I went something totally different. And I realized I found myself going to the project. I had um, two flip projects at the time going there every day, covered in dust because I was telling the contractors how to do their job because I wanted it to be perfect, right? And I drove them crazy, right? And I hated it because I, I didn't like flipping because you couldn't control all of the processes. You couldn't do what the contractors did. You, you know, had to deal with the city and they will fail you so many times on inspection. I just did not like it at all. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't a total moron, 
before I went into flipping, <laughs> I actually met, I, I listened to a podcast just like this and a guy came on talking about buying apartment buildings. So actually after, you know, I remember like it was yesterday, right? The guy, you know, at the end they say, hey, how can people find out about you, right? And the guy was like, oh, this was again, six, seven years ago. The guy was like, oh, I'll give my number. Nobody's going to call me, right? You know, this guy at the time had like a hundred million dollars of assets on the management. We'll, you know, we'll come back to that number later. People always think, you know, something huge. Anyway, so the guy said, nobody's going to call me. Well, I am Mr. Nobody. <laughs> That's great. So I called him and say, hey, you know, the guy was like, hey, who is this? I'm like, well, I'm Mr. Nobody. Uh, he <laughs> said, nobody's going to call you. That's me. <laughs> and I told him, whatever it is that you charge to mentor people, I cannot afford it. Uh, let's just put that right out there. But guess what? I would pay any payment plan you agree to. Now, I'm making this humorous and I'm keeping, you know, I own this engaged here with the stories, but pay attention, right? Pay attention for those that are listening because you're going to say, hey, I don't want to pay a mentor. Oh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to cost a lot of money. Oh, but I'm giving you answers. First, you need a mentor. That's, I, I have so many mentors right now. The ones I pay, the ones I can never afford to pay back, <laughs> the ones the ones I don't pay. You know, we all need a mentor. Like entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I know that's not what they tell you on Instagram. It's just not for everyone. It, and I say that with love in my heart. I have a great sister. She's not an entrepreneur. She's a great nine to fiver. Amazing. Right. So people have to understand that. And what mentors do is they can help you navigate the journey of life. Right. It doesn't have, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You still need a mentor. Right. We all need mentors. Right. So anyway, the mentor was a big help for me. He agreed to my payment plan. So I did join, you know, an apartment investing cohort at the time. You know, some of some of the some of you know, some of those guys are really, really big names. I'm not going to name drop. But some of the guys that we know today buy an apartment. Actually. You can name drop. It's okay. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. <laughs> some of those guys are, are part of that, you know, you know, cohort and they're doing pretty well. So, but even though I was with that cohort, I actually not left, but stopped to go flip. Like, I mean, of course, right now we all know that's like silly. I should have just kind of continued. Obviously it takes forever. It takes forever. Like anything worth doing and doing well it takes, it takes ages, it's like centuries, almost like it feels like, right? So I like, oh, I don't want to do this apartment thing. It's so long. Let me just go make a 50. I did not, I did not do the $50,000 down the street. It did not happen that way on flipping. I still ended up coming back, but I lost two years of my life. Now I learned a bunch about myself. So if anybody comes to me and say they want to flip, whatever, I, I don't do flipping, right? I only buy cash flowing assets from day one. I would do construction projects because now we have a construction company, a big construction project because I, we have the competences and the core competences to do such projects you have now, the infrastructure to, exactly. to take it love it exactly so by the time i came back to my cohort all the guys i started with were buying their first 100 unit deals right this is another like kicker right like, oh, god you know but i didn't let that stop me again for folks listening listen carefully right what i did was i partnered up right so if you're in a place in life right now maybe you're in your 40s in your 50s or whatever and you're thinking man it's too late it's not partner up right? Partner up. Don't try to start, you know, from scratch because, I mean, it, it takes forever. Like I said, it feels like centuries, right? Partner up. Find somebody you like. Very important. We can talk about partnerships. Very, very important. Find someone you like and partner up. So I did that. 
and I got into my first 160 unit deal in Houston, Texas. So don't forget, if you're still following the geographical, you know, timelines, I'm still in Maryland. I was able to partner up with some guys that were buying in Houston. So because I was part of that deal, I had to fly into Houston, Texas again for the very first time. And I remember coming to Houston thinking, oh my goodness, this place is amazing. So I got back to Maryland, told my wife to quit her job at the bank down the street. <laughs> We're moving to Texas. Now your audience might go, this guy is insane. <laughs> Maybe. But what I will tell you is this, and I love Jim Rohn. I don't know if you've heard of Jim Rohn. Anybody that, that you have not, go, go. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's, he has this classic line, you're, you're not a tree. You are not a tree. You can move, you can go, you can do whatever you, you, you know, you can move. Right. So at that time for us, I'd already done the flipping, didn't like it. I was trying to find an apartment building in Maryland, couldn't find it. And then here I was, came to Texas for the first time. There's like six lanes everywhere, you know, big. I'm like, what am I doing over there? Like, I just told my wife, quit that job, please. Up on the, you know, jumped on the train. We came here like on a, on a Saturday. We, we looked at like 20 houses, we put an offer on one. You know, we had a little baby at the time, by the way. We had given, you know, my wife had given birth to our first child at the time, Timmy Lola. Wow. We dragged that out, you know. So people are like, oh, yeah, but you're young. No, 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 no. We had a kid right next to us. We dragged sure, that out. So it's my definitely a big, big investment. That's all. 100%. My wife was pregnant as well, right? Wow. And we moved to Texas. So this was January of 2020, now in the timeline. You know, at this time, you know, we have our duplex. We built another house, like, you know, as well. So we had tenants in there. You know, we had a good portfolio in, in Baltimore, Maryland, which we still own till today. But we're like, no, we're, we're going to, we're bullish on Texas. We're going to go hard. I'm telling this to folks that live in California or folks that live in New York City and saying, I can't do this anymore. You can, you can move. That's the beauty of this great country, right? Anyway, move to Texas, January 2020. I don't know if anybody remembers what happened in that year. Yeah. Two months later, Tom Hanks got COVID. Whole world shut down. So this is us coming with this full energy to buy more apartment buildings in Texas. Got here. Two months later, <laughs> the whole world shut down. And my wife was like, this is going to be fun. I was like, buckle up, baby. <laughs> and there was no way to anticipate that. So you're really, you guys are coming down full of energy, ready to go, take on the world. And all of a sudden, boom, you just get hit with this huge curveball. Exactly. And this is important, right? This goes back to, you know, what I said in the beginning, mm -hmm. like, you know, entrepreneurship is, is, you know, you, one, you have to be an optimist. I mean, if you're an accountant or maybe an attorney, maybe you could be pessimist. <laughs> an entrepreneur, you just have to be a kind of half, like half full kind of guy or girl. Like you can't, it's because the nature of business is already tough, right? That's that statistics. Like most businesses fail in their first year, right? Is that, is that philosophy? It's, it's true because it's a lot, right? But if you're, if you can go past that and you understand some fundamental principles, it's the best thing you can ever do, right? It's the best thing you can ever do. You just have to get past those things. Anyway, pandemic hit. As we all know, 2020 was kind of a wash, right? But for me personally, I still went to, you know, the same office that you guys are seeing on this video. I came here every single day to work, right? I mean, like, that's just what you do, right? I always make this joke to my wife. You know, they were like, the divorce rates, you know, went up in the pandemic. I was like, oh, well, that's, uh, there was a reason I left my house. It worked out for us. 
you know, walked every day, walked every day. Again, for those listening and still listening and paying attention, I kept on working. I, I didn't sit in the house and watch Netflix. I mean, it was nice to do that. I'm sure it's nice to, but I still work every single day. I'm saying this for a reason, because the next year we bought about 200 units. Wow. So like I knew this pandemic, you know, I studied medical science on my first degree. I knew it was going to pass, but you don't even need a medical scientist to tell you that the pandemic would pass. <laughs> like this too shall pass, right? So as an entrepreneur, you need to understand that just like right now, with all the inflationary, you know, effect um, on the economy, with, with how things are just kind of like slow right now, it's also going to pass, right? So I knew that from a philosophical you know, perspective that this is going to pass. So I kept on working, right? And then when 2021 kind of came around, we already knew what COVID was. People had already get vaccinated. We bought our first deal in Houston in February, took that down pretty quickly. It was an off-market deal, closed that down. Closed, you know, our Madison title as usual, right? There we go. Yeah, you know, little plug right there. Love those guys over there, right? Closed on that deal. And then a few months later, bought another deal, right? Wow. Those two deals took us to 200 units, right? And I, I want to be very specific for those listening and, and those that understand multifamily investing. I'm not just saying I just bought a deal. I was a GP on those deals, right? And I, I was one of three GPs on those deals, so I want to be very clear on, on that. And I did so you structured everything. You structured the entire deal, correct. put it together. Found, correct. Absolutely. Of course, you know, I, I got I to gotta mention this since this is public, is I have two other partners. They are amazing, just amazing, great, great, great partners. So that helps quite a bit. You know, I always say if you can find partners, just like in a marriage, right, you just you can't do this by yourself. You should not do this by yourself. You know, so uh, that that helps quite a quite a sure, bit. I imagine you guys you guys each complement each other, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, just I, I use this very like classic example, right? Like if you want to do something really really well, you need it takes a village, right? The iPhone isn't designed by one guy, <laughs> right? Like yeah, you know that that's why it's a great product, right? Like if you want to build something, don't anybody that has that kind of like I can do this by myself mentality, you're not gonna. I mean, you do things like a house down the street, nobody cares about. I mean, no offense, but like we're talking about, you know, buying a large asset with like, you know, 100 families or, you know, 150 units with 150 families in there. It's not something you do by yourself and you shouldn't do by yourself if you want to live long anyways, right? It's a lot of work. So you, you always need that team, right? You know, and I always tell this to a lot of people, like, just forget that mindset. I know it's not you as a person. I'm sure we are nice people, but it's that brain telling you, oh, you, you don't need nobody. You can do it. No, you can't. Especially if you're trying to put down $5.2 million on a deal as a down payment. Unless you're a Saudi prince, maybe you can do that by yourself. But usually you need to syndicate, pull funds together, you know, in order to close the deal. There's a lot, of, a lot of collaboration, a lot of synergy that's required. It's not just... It certainly can be done by one person, but I, I love I loved that you're sharing that. Yeah. I mean, continue. Yeah. This, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, did that, right? So this kind of took us all to the, you know, to the end mm -hmm. of 2021. 2022 as well, still kind of, you know, folks recovering from the pandemic. Businesses trying to, you know, um, get back to where they, they were pre-pandemic levels. We put another deal, right? Again, close with you guys in Madison, right? We bought you know, this deal, smaller deal, 44 units here in Houston, West Columbia, Texas, working on that deal every single day, right? You know, so now we have a pretty big portfolio. We've got help from, you know, 
third-party property management companies. We've got a good a good in-house team here at Dwelling, helping. You know, so I can be on calls like this. So again, it takes a village, and that's kind of you know what we do every day, making sure that we're you know investing. I always like tell you know some of the people I mentor, like, hey, you know, never forget it's in the name, right? If you're an investor, you invest, right? Never forget that. You know, people, some, you know, people will buy assets and they just refuse to, you know, infuse or deploy capital in that asset. Like, that's not what we want to do. I mean, these are people's lives. People, you know, go to these places and call that home. We might call it an asset, but that's someone's home. So just really remembering that and, and continue to do that every day. We spend so much money on our properties, like sometimes even like overspend, but that's what we want to be known for. And that's just our philosophy. And that's what we're going to continue to do at Dwelling. I love it. Ola, first of all, that was just an incredible story because I feel like you've really taken it from your entire journey, you know, from beginning. And it, it also seems that like, I guess people in general typically think that the way that, that, that real estate investors you begin is, you know, they have, they have five, t- 10, 20 years of experience in real estate and then they just start investing. And it seems like it was definitely a journey, but there was also kind of like a aha moment, you know, that set you on this path. You know what I mean? You seem to have gathered all your previous experiences and use that, that one moment to kind of seize the opportunity and make the leap. So it takes a lot of guts, you know, to really, to get out there. Share maybe a little bit about what are some of the challenges that you face as a, as a multifamily syndicator investor? What, what are some of the challenges that you're facing on a daily basis and how do you overcome those challenges? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So going back to what I mentioned in the beginning about most businesses fail, right? And one of the major reasons businesses fail is cash flow, right? Cash flow. And that could be tied back all the way to just money, capital, right? In our business right now, one thing we would like to be better at is being able to attract equity, right? We don't have any issues with debt. We can get debt all day long, right? But actually getting equity investors to help fund kind of, you know, the down payment, like I mentioned, like, you know, the $5 million, you know, that you need to bring down, you know, we we bought 178 units, right? I mentioned. So you need a substantial amount of money um, to, you know, to take that deal to close. So you need to get a lot of people involved and that that's why we, we syndicate funds. So that that's one, you know, definite challenge that we are constantly working on, um, getting better. Um, one way that we're trying to kind of mitigate that is to reach out to different equity groups, equity groups, family offices, perhaps some pension funds. Now, those guys are no jokers. They're definitely no fools. So those guys require, you know, a certain level of excellence. Your reporting require, you know, their reporting requirements are, you know, world class. You know, they want to make sure that the, the, you know, the sponsor, me, the general partner, knows exactly what they're doing. Um, so it's a different ball game as opposed to what we consider the retail investors, right? Your family and friends, uncles, you know, things like that, giving you a hundred thousand, twenty thousand, you know, half a million dollars. You know, so that's that's one thing that we're, you know, working really diligently on to try to, you know, overcome. But of course, that's something we'll always uh, keep at. The other challenge is just, just deal sourcing, like finding the deal. Like I remember I had a meeting with someone and I was showing them kind of our deal sourcing pipeline. Um, I think we had, we've kind of looked at, you know, deals over like 3 billion, you know, since, you know, the beginning of 2020. So that's a lot of deals. And, you know, we've bought like 
three. Well, that's a lot of that's, that's a, a star. That, yeah, you know, that's a lot of frogs you got to kiss, right, before you find the, the, the prince, as they say. So, <laughs> you know, many people don't understand that, but you got to look at a lot of deals and look at what does that mean for anybody who is, a, you know, just a beginner. Is like you have to, like, basically take numbers from an OM, which is an offering memorandum, put those numbers into a spreadsheet. That process will take between 30 to, you know, three hours. It really depends on how you want to go in that underwriting of that asset of that deal so imagine doing that you know hundreds two, of times right yeah i mean it's just a lot of uh, a lot of times i gotta do one after this call so you know that that sheer effort and determination consistency is needed to be able to close those three deals right because you could have stopped at the 100 million mark like i don't want to do this anymore well you know is that 2 billion or 3 billion i think it was last time and it's probably going to get to 10 billion and it's going to keep growing but we keep buying deals. So deal sourcing is challenge number two. Mm. Challenge number three is just commercial real estate. Like there are people out there that want to take your money. And I, I have to just be like honest as, I, as, I'm, as I'm getting older. I don't want to be the guy that is just like, you know, like, oh my God, you can do it. Like, I mean, of course, I'm that guy naturally, but I have to force myself to tell people the other side, right? And in this game, people will take your money. So you got to be careful. Balancing optimism with realism is the way we could put it. And I, you know, I can tell you guys that like, you know, you can, you know, like sometimes when you want to buy a deal, you have to put something called an EMD, which is an earnest money down. And sometimes that money is non-refundable, right? So if you're trying to buy a $15 million deal, sometimes if it's a seller's market, they, they would require you to put down a hundred. And non-refundable you don't get, and it's non-refundable and you know we had a deal on the contract for about 15 million with you guys with madison <laughs> we'll get it back all we're gonna get it back uh, yeah i don't know so <laughs> it, it, you know people need to understand that as well and it's not to discourage anyone but i love what you use just realism right and that's people need to know that but then how do you overcome that it's just like knowing what you you know what you need to do knowing what to do and one way is by doing something called an early access agreement, which means you can go and look at a particular asset before you actually put any money down. They can give you like 10 days, 15 days, whatever it is, so that way you don't have any capital at risk. So at the end of the day, you know, just in this business, you still have something to risk. I mean, no risk, no reward. It's just like same thing with the gym, right? You don't put in those work, like you just, you know, so people have to be aware of that. And I have to be honest, I don't want to paint a rosy picture. I mean, it's one of the best businesses you can do, real estate. I don't care what anybody tells you. Uh, actually, it's on the list of businesses that rarely fails, you know, because people need a place to stay, right? Sure. You know, but in the same vein, you have to be aware that people are out there to take your money, unfortunately, and they will take that money. So you have to, you have to protect that um, by knowing certain things, having different tools that you can use financial instruments. Mentors mentors right 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 you know there's that guy that lost a lot of money in houston recently 2029 you know oh um, yeah that guy did not buy a financial instrument called a rate cap so those like they're very nuanced things but you you want to make sure that you you understand what those concepts are you understand what those things are and then you have a really a strong philosophy of, of of doing the right thing so not really just diving in head first but just making more educated decisions with the with the right resources i like that so ola i just want to re rewind with you a little bit for those who are not as familiar with the process of 
putting together a deal, a syndication, however we want to frame it. Can you kind of like walk us through what are the steps to, you know, putting together a deal? What does that look like? Where do you start, you know, all the way from sourcing a deal to sourcing capital? What, what are some steps? You don't have to give away all your secrets, but what's a typical, like, you know, starting point to get a, per- for a person to actually begin their first deal? That's a, that's a loaded question, Sam. It's a loaded question. <laughs> you don't have to answer the whole thing, but maybe some basic steps, you know, that would, yeah. would help. No, I'd love to answer the whole thing, actually. I, I, I hope we have some time, but I'll be quick as well. So let's take, I don't want to use a big number, you know, let's use a million dollars. So you let's say you want to buy, uh, I don't know, 20 units for a million dollars. Now, the first thing is you got to find that deal. You got to find that 20 units deal somewhere in America, right? So usually what is what I tell people, you have, a, you have two ways to find a deal. Well, a few other ways, but let's just say two main categories. One is through the gatekeepers. They're called brokers. Two is you go direct <laughs> to the seller, right? And those two categories, two different approaches, right? And I'll, I'll be very like laser. I'll kind of hit the things really quickly. So if anybody's taking notes, this is when you take notes. Brokers, coffee, lunches, steak dinners, that's broker. That's how you get a deal from brokers. Direct to seller, letters, calling, calling, letters, calling. That's how you get a deal. There's really no... <laughs> you can go door knock on their door if you're really, really crazy, and that's okay. You'd be surprised at how nice they would be and welcoming. They might even invite you in. So that's how you get the deal, right? Broker, direct to seller. Then you get the deal. Then you realize, oh my goodness, this deal is a million dollars. The bank is telling me I need to put down $200,000. My other bank is telling me that in my account, I don't have $200,000. So then you got to go to your rich uncle that you, that you think is rich, but you only find out that he just has a big fancy house and a big fancy guy spends all his money on the car in the house and he doesn't have any money. So you run to your uncle just to talk to your other uncle that you think is poor to tell him about how your rich uncle didn't give you the 200000 to find out that your quote-unquote poor uncle that doesn't have a nice fancy house is the one that will give you the 200000 from his you know, it's 401k. What I'm trying to make out is do not underestimate the, the power of family or friends. Don't think like, oh, this person has money, this person doesn't, right? That's a flaw, right? That's a bias, right? You know, and there's different biases, recency bias. I can go on and on, right? So make sure that you just tell everybody what you're doing and you never know who's going to give you money. But you're going to need that money to actually take, to close, to like Madison title, to actually close on the deal and to, you know, get the deal, right? Now, Typically, that 200000 or let's call it 300000 200000 down, or 100000 to actually fix up the property. Remember, you're an investor, not a slumlord. you got to invest in the asset, right? So you need $300,000. Let's say you've done well for yourself. You have 50K. Well, you need to raise 50K. So you got to shout on your Facebook. you got to shout on your family WhatsApp group if you have that. Wherever you talk to people, this is what I'm trying to do now. Do you want to invest, right? Now, real quickly, you got to also understand that you're not coming from a place of begging for people to help you. You're actually helping them, right? Because real estate for the rest of time is one of the most, you know, solid asset class in the country. Like it's a hard asset. I mean, you're, if you buy right, you probably do very, very well. Okay. So you get to understand that. So you get that money together. You buy the asset, you close on the deal. Now, remember, you can't do anything by yourself. But at this point, you already know that you cannot because you've gone to your family and friends and your not-so-rich uncle and they've helped you. So you already know. But you need to get a property management company, especially if it's your first deal. You need to get a mentor. You need to understand 
that you need that help. This is all me assuming that you've gotten a mentor at the beginning too, because you need to underwrite the deal, make sure the cash on cash return is good, all that kind of stuff, right? So you buy the deal, you get a property management company to help you with kind of the day-to-day, right? They're going to pick up the phones. They're going to, you know, answer like, you know, emails, stuff like that. This is one of the biggest things I, I try to teach, you know, my mentees is you don't want to work inside of the business, meaning you, you don't want to be the one picking up the phone, you know, oh, you want to look at the unit today? I'll come and... No, no, no. You want to work on the business. And what does that mean specifically? Again, later, you're going to have a... Sp- that's going to say, these are the amount of people that came to look at, you know, apartments. These are the ones that signed the lease. You're going to have a spreadsheet. And if you want that spreadsheet, you can reach out to me. I can share that with you gladly. That's you working on the business. So you're going to have a weekly or bi-weekly call with the property management company. And then you are, work, you are managing them as the asset manager, right? So you do that for a few years. You know, typically in an industry is like three to three to seven three to five years, you buy the asset and you sell. If you're lucky enough that you're able to bring the 300K by yourself because you, you were trading stocks when you were 16 and you raised some money yourself, you can keep that asset forever, right? That's another thing, you know, we don't, we don't talk about. You can keep that asset forever. You don't have to sell, right? So if, especially if it's a good asset. So do that. If you have to sell, then sell, but just make sure invest in the property, you know, put back into the property, take care of the people as much as you can. Not all tenants are nice, by the way. So that's, you know, that's the... Sure. Yeah, exactly. So just about the ones that you know, take care of all of them, try to be a good person, do your best, and usually you're going to have a good, a good run. You're going to exit the deal. So quick summary of kind of finding the deal and exiting the deal. Usually I'm a man of integrity. So I give the same broker that brought me a deal, I give them the deal to sell at the end. That's a whole nother conversation, but... And I always look for deals through brokers. I never go direct to sell because brokers wake up every day, kiss their wife or husbands just to find deals. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's all they do. Let them do that. Don't try to, you know, it never works. I like that. Yeah, I guess you're right. In theory, you could be running around and trying to make phone calls and sending letters. But, you know, I guess the question is like what you value more, your time or money, you know? And so like, if you value your time, you'll pay whatever percentage you need to pay for the brokers. But their, their mind is on finding the right deals for you. So I love that. Th- thank you. Thanks for walking us through that. I, I'm, I'm glad we got that. And I feel like, I feel like that was definitely a really summarized version. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and all the, even the pre-process, the underwriting process, there's, there's, I can imagine how much goes into that before you even source the deals. So we could spend hours and hours, I imagine, just, just yes. doing that. But in, in, you know, just make sure that we're, we're staying on time. Oh, I'm going to ask you for just just share a quick moment that really helped you, you know, realize that that multifamily syndication is not just something that you enjoy, but it's this is like what you picture yourself in 5, 10, 15 years. What what's that one moment and what's on the horizon coming up for for dwelling? I mean, I think it's that philosophy of freedom and you know, I tell folks like wealth as we know it or for someone like me anyway, growing up in Africa, and, and I remember we, you know, watching like, you know, the, the e-pop stars and the rap videos and, and you see the big chains, right? And the nice cars. And you think like, like something happens to kids, right? We think, oh, that's money. Like that's wealth. And we have no idea, right? So obviously now I'm, well, you know, older, seen wealth, understand it, read a lot of books about it listen to great folks. I know wealth is basically when you don't have to 
directly exchange your time for money, right? I don't care if you make $20,000, you can be wealthy. I don't care what that numerical number is. I mean, obviously, we want that number to be as high as possible, but it's when you don't directly have to trade your time for money and you can be wherever you want to be with whoever you want to be and doing whatever you want to do. I think that's the definition of wealth. And to go back to your question, I feel like I'm at that place where, I mean, I don't have to report to anybody. I don't have to, you know, um, I'm mentally free. You know, I do whatever I want to do. I have a young family who loves me regardless of whatever number is wherever and whatever I count. That is wealth for me. I'm multifamily, you know, especially real estate in general helps me do that because I don't have to be talking to all, you know, I have about 250 units right now, right, under management. So I don't have to be talking to all those families, you know, helping them with their leaking toilets and, you know, help, you know, showing them apartment. Yeah, I don't have to do that. So I'm able to walk on my business and not in my business from wherever I am in the world. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, just that misconception. And I want young men all over America to just understand this and young girls. I have two girls, right? Don't get like trapped in that philosophy of like, you have to earn a lot of money to, to be someone. Now, don't get me wrong. I think money is extremely helpful. Do not, don't get me wrong. But the constant chase of this elusive number it's toxic. So, and, you know, Instagram and all these guys, you know, don't help, right? It, it does not help. I have children, so, I, like, it doesn't help. I see, like, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not meant to be telling kids, like, hey, you got to get, you can do it, you know, you're going to get this much. Like, how much money do you need? Maybe start there. Like, what does that look like? I mean, if you're 25 years old in America, you probably don't need $10,000 a, a month. Like, what are you eating? How many Yeezys are you buying? Like you're 25 years old, right? So, and even for a 40 year old guy, like, you know, like you just have to understand that because at the end of the day, it's all about the health of the nation and the well being of the nation, right? I think for me, it's just having that freedom, you know, and just being able to contribute like the way I am right now. And I can have a voice, give my two cents. That's, that's how I know this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. Taking your, I guess, your menteeship and turning it into a mentorship. So, I, yeah, that, that's awesome. Ola. I love it. You gotta I, get it back. I, I always appreciate. I always appreciate people that are are not only willing to share their knowledge, but they look for opportunities to share it. You know, I, I feel like that's something special, and so I'm really, I'm really glad. I feel, I feel like the first time we met, you know, here at our office and Madison Title, and I, I just, I loved your energy and and your passion and your your excitement to take on, you know, new challenges. And so I really appreciate you coming on today on the podcast. I'm going to share just a couple of really rapid fire questions, just, just to kind of get to know you a little bit on a, on a personal level. So first thing, what's one thing you do every day to start your morning off right, Allah? Meditation. Meditation. Love it. I, I pray every day, so I'm the same way. Also pray too. Also pray. We're going to have that. Yeah. That's it, man. And what is a hobby or interest that you have outside of work that most people don't know about Allah? Oh man, hobby outside of work. I shouldn't be thinking this hard, right? <laughs> I love reading. I'm a ferocious reader. Well, that's good because that, that leads us to the next question then. What's a, what's a book or podcast that you're, you've been enjoying lately? 
Oh man, I'm reading like, I don't know. I'm reading like two, three books. I've got this book in front of me. Daniel Priestley is, is, is a, is a lot. She's an Australian living in Britain right now. I love, I love him so much, but just kind of classically, like what book do I like? I love, I love a book um, by Marcos Aurel again called Meditations. It's not about meditation, by the way. It's a very tough read, but it's a good one. Sounds like the Bible, which means got that kind of Tao house, you know, kind of word sure. in, in it. Yeah, but it's a it's a great read. And finally, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? There's always a price to pay, and there are no discounts in life. There's always a price to pay, and there are no discounts. Wow, I'm gonna have to meditate on that for a while. <laughs> I love that. Always gonna pay the full <laughs> price. <laughs> oh, any any last words that you'd like to share with with our audience? Yeah, I mean, just really. First, thank you, Sammy. If you're out there trying to be someone, remember this conversation. If this is the one thing you take out, keep throwing seeds, keep doing, keep doing, and give yourself time. Keep doing and give yourself time. That literally is the formula to success. Keep doing like stuff, whatever it is. It could be like in your business, sending emails, 4,000 emails. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't care what that thing is. Send 4,000 emails and then you get one thing, one job, one project, one engagement, one deal. It doesn't matter. It's that thing you see on Instagram with the guy chipping away at the wall and then there's like all the gold or diamonds. And then just before the last one, he just turns back, right? I love it. So yeah, it's like, you just keep going. Like, that's it. That's just all this is. Just keep going. Ola, I really, really appreciate that. And thank you very much for sharing your, your, your personal journey and, and just sharing so much value. For, for all those listening, you can find Ola Dantes from, from Dwellin. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N. And I believe Ola himself has his own podcast called The Financial Freedom Through Real Estate Investing Podcast. Check him out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcasts. And Ola, what's the best place for people to reach you if they want to reach you, you want to get involved? in your investments, maybe they want to do something, what's a good place for them to reach out to? Yeah, I mean, I think the website, like you said, um, you know, dwelling.com, if you can't remember that, just, you know, just go to investwithola.com or just reach out to me on Instagram. Happens all the time. Ola, thank you again so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you on the show. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Commercial Real Estate Connection podcast. Looking forward to catching you at the next episode.